Hi, this is your host, Dale Josie, and welcome to the second season, episode nine of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. My podcast series is made possible by AARP Kentucky, DPL Financial Partners, and Today's Transitions Magazine. This variety edutainment series provides useful tips not only for taking care of self, family, and friends, but also how to enjoy life more abundantly than many thought even possible for people ages 65, 75, and beyond. Some of our guests doing what many listeners only dream about or perhaps never even thought possible. So enjoy their stories on this unique lifestyle podcast and be prepared to share your own along with hearing useful tips and vital information for everyone aging with grace. Well, listeners, I was almost hacked by a very clever Microsoft scam from an alleged online tech support team fixing a bug in my computer, except they were not from the tech giant. Oh, no! Scary, right? Oh, shit, it was very scary. Well, I tell you what, stick around, because we're about to hear from former assistant Commonwealth attorney Gary Atkins, who shares this scam and others about which seniors must, absolutely must, remain vigilant. Larry McDonald shares the hard work and long hours that fueled his rise of his career from a solid working blue-collar family to serving in significant leadership roles for more than 40 years. Prior to retiring from the Lincoln Foundation, Larry was a corporate executive in numerous leadership roles at Humana Inc., including human resources, specifically in the areas of diversity, employee relations, and management development. So, lean in. And I hope you enjoy listening to my guests as much as I did interviewing them on this edition of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, made possible by AARP Kentucky, DPL Financial Partners, and today's Transitions Magazine. By the way, be sure to read their summer edition with a focus on intentions. For more information, visit todaystransitions.com to read articles that can help you navigate your own transitions. So, with a deep, heartfelt thank you to each one of my sponsors for even making this series possible, let's get after it, meaning welcome to the podcast series, Aging with Grace 55+. Plus. This segment of Reflections comes from a Swedish writer named Dog Hollander and is published in his book, Older and Happier. And Dog Hollander writes as follows. No, I don't want to be a whiny old man, which seems frighteningly easy, or just a plain boring old man, which seems to be most common. Nor do I want to become one of the many old men who cling to their youth by trying to disguise their age with deep tans, young women, facelifts, makeup, and clothes designed for 20-year-olds. 
Imagine your lost looking eyes in lines, long lines at the nightclub, in the crowds at that raucous bar, and under the shimmying disco ball, all will only reveal your true age and will do so mercilessly. In Roman comedies, the lovelorn old man is always the butt of all jokes. Because through his ridiculous actions, he loses both his wisdom and his dignity. And after all, both wisdom and dignity are the greatest gifts of old age. So Dog continues in his book, Older and Happier, writing, This is why you should begin each morning by greeting that older, aging man in the bathroom mirror with a smile. It's time to like who you become. Even if you feel like a lost child behind that smile of a mask. The curious thing about growing old is that you live with all of these ages inside of you at the same time. If we look carefully in the mirror, we can still see, and I can, I'm sure you can too, listener, the youngster that we once were. He's not lost. You just have to spend a little time trying to find him. Because you see, there's, that's positive in doing that. We are like all those humans who have lived before us, and I, with my many selves, am a part of all that sea of humanity. And if we understand that, we have become, as Dog concludes, just a little bit wiser, and it's time to expound on that wisdom. Larry McDonald, just an amazing man. And Larry's going to talk to us in a few minutes about his career track. Just an incredible uh, list of accomplishments. He is now retired. Larry says he considers retirement a tremendous blessing and also an earned privilege. So again, Larry, welcome to Aging with Grace, this, this episode. And what do you mean by retirement being a earned privilege? Many of us work 20, 30, 40 years and we get to the point of retirement and we don't want to let go. In my case, I had a life beyond my professional responsibilities. And I think that when you make the sacrifices you make, in particular in leadership, you earn the right and the privilege to ultimately retire. I have in front of me a small sign from my oldest granddaughter. It says, I'm not retired. I'm a professional grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) So that's now your job. You've earned that sober quit given your family, including uh, Angie McDonald and others, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Larry, as we look at your career, and what amazes me is that we're going to talk about Humana. We're going to talk about some of the heights of your accomplishments. But you came from, can I dare I say, a uh, what would be considered a socioeconomically depressed area of the community? Well, as a very young child, we lived in a place called uh, Little Africa. And from there, we moved to the Shepherd Square Housing Projects, which was a great area for families. But we, you know, I would say that my family was blue collar working class. And from there, we moved to the West End, which was where I spent the majority of my young life. And I'm a proud product of the public school system, uh, Stephen Foster, Shiny Junior High and DuPont Manual High School. So got a good, solid education. And thankfully, my parents, although they did not finish Central High School, 
they instilled in me the value of an education and made sure that I made the sacrifices that would enable me to ultimately graduate from business school at the University of Kentucky and later get an MBA from the University of Louisville. So mm-hmm. you could say I have a legitimate split personality. That's fair. Legitimate split personality. And I think the fact that your mom and your, your dad now deceased, you know, that they were not, that they, was your mom had dropped out and your dad was in the Navy. Is that what I recall? Yes. My mom got pregnant at a young age and my dad uh, was one of a, a very large family. He had nine sisters, and two brothers. And my dad uh, joined the Navy at a young age. I think that's important for our listeners to, as I'm trying to set the stage here, because uh, you are very proud of the fact, and as you mentioned a moment ago, that you're a first-generation college graduate. And I think you said well, you're either the third or the fourth graduate from the University of Kentucky College of Business. Is that right? Yes. Uh, the, the 50-year anniversary of uh, the late, great Lyman T. Johnson, a, a book was published that ref from by the Alumni Association that referenced the graduates in rank order. And I didn't realize it, that I was probably the first five African-American males to, African-American, excuse me, specifically, to finish business school at UK. It was interesting and very revealing to learn that sometimes you're proud of things and other times you, as I mentioned to you before, you would hope that more progress had been made at that point. So, Larry, once you arrived at Humana, you had some opportunities, some, shall we say, some fortuitous events happen, and doors continued to open for you based upon your graduation from public school and also your, your work at uh, Ford Motor Company. Yes, at, at Humana, for the first three to four years, I traveled quite a bit. Humana was building hospitals in Florida as fast as we could get certificate of need approval, and I had to go to either new construction or renovation and expansion of hospitals. I had to make a lot of site visits, uh, work closely with architects and engineers and construction managers who we were all in the same department or functional area at Humana. So that was a great learning experience in terms of the technical side. But I did that until I got a chance to, at about the four-year mark, to move into the management uh, development program at Humana, at which time uh, I was the first person of color to be hired into that corporate uh, management intern program. And we're going to come back to the management program in a second. I just want to let our our viewers know that we're very grateful for this episode of Aging with Grace 55+. My guest is Larry M. McDonald, and this episode of Aging with Grace is made possible by today's Transitions magazine for seniors. DPL Financial, and also Kentucky AARP. We're very grateful to all of our sponsors for making this interview possible as I can return to our guests. Larry, when you talk about the management training program, number one, why is that so important to a company like Amana? And number two, why is that important for those of us of color to take advantage of that opportunity? Management training allows you to have significant exposure to people at the highest level of the organization. And you did, at that time, we did rotations. I did a rotation through public affairs, your line of business, also government affairs. But last but not least, I did a rotation in human resources. That enabled me to decide which of the areas that I wanted to work in at the completion of these rotations, normally about a two-year cycle. And I settled on human resources. It became 
very easy to me and was a good fit. And ultimately, I spent my last 13 years rising up through the organization until I became an HR executive. So, Larry, you attended the University of Kentucky College of Business. And what degree did you receive from them? And how did that help you in terms of your uh, rise at Humana? At that, my degree is technically called a, a BBA, a, a Baccalaureate in Business Administration. Back then, Dale, there weren't a whole lot of options. Now they have so many different degrees within, <laughs> within the college. Of but I got that degree, and I'm glad you asked the question because I always regret it not majoring in accounting. Because in humanist culture, the accountants pretty much ruled the roost. And we used to jokingly talk about uh, so many people from, at the time, Coopers and Libran, that the inside joke was they were the Coopers Mafia, but they ran the show. And I said, why didn't I just major in accounting? You know, this old saying, uh, what is it? Uh, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. So maybe the hand that controls the purse race rules corporate America. <laughs> I wouldn't argue against that. How did the opportunity with the Lincoln Foundation come about with you serving on that board of directors? A uh, Great question. I used to really refer to myself as a professional volunteer. And like you, I served <laughs> on many, many nonprofit or community-based organization boards because where I come from, if God blesses you and you don't share it, you don't deserve it. Humana was very civically minded. So I got all the support in the world of not just going out and serving on boards and steering committees, but also I would get the financial support and the sign-off from Humana because, as you know, when you serve on a board, they expect your time, talent, and treasures. So I became the gatekeeper for many organizations seeking funding. Now, with respect to the Lincoln Foundation, Dr. Samuel Robinson, my mentor, asked me to join his board, and I did, and I became vice chair of the board. When I joined the board, a good friend, Raymond Boyce Burst, was the board chair. So as vice chair of the board, I never had a desire to work for a not-for-profit, at least in my mind, I didn't. But ultimately, Dr. Robinson retired, and uh, we really... I was approached by the members of the board who served on the board with me about taking over the leadership. Ultimately, we went through a rough transition and had someone who wasn't a good fit with their organization. And I said, well, I don't want to work for a nonprofit. I like serving on boards and, and helping with board governance, et cetera. But I ultimately decided that my true passion was the education and development of young people because education transformed my life. And if you transform the life of a young person, you positively impact that young person's family and their future. Larry McDonald is the retired president of Lincoln Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the education and development of socially economic disadvantaged youth. Prior to joining Lincoln Foundation, Larry was a corporate executive with Humana Inc. and also an entrepreneur. Leadership roles at Humana were in human resources, specifically in the areas of diversity, employee relations, and management development. This segment, in addition to this episode of Aging with Grace, is made possible by our sponsors, Today's Transitions Magazine, DPL Financial, and Kentucky AARP. Larry, thanks for so much for your time. You have a good day. Thank you, Dale. Appreciate the opportunity.
folks, as we uh, get ready to meet our next guest, I want to share a story with you, which is close to home as we talk about fraud prevention, especially as it affects, uh, as it becomes more aggressive and more pernicious in our society. I had an interesting situation happen, which will be a perfect segue to my next guest. It was something called a Microsoft scam. And here's how it goes. I encountered a problem with my computer. There was a number that popped up, which was a 18844 number, and I dialed it, and they said, uh, this is Microsoft support. This is your technical support department. What can we do for you? And I said, my computer is locked down. And so as I was warned about this virus, that it, it continued to infect my system and to improve it. They asked me to check my Windows event logger, and which I did, but they said, also, I need to log on with you. This is my tech apartment, tech support from Microsoft, or so I thought. And so when I gave them access to my computer, they began to just show windows and windows and windows of thousands of records, which look like viruses and et cetera. And so they said, but we can fix this. And they kept, they show me this list and they would never focus on it long enough. And so they sold me a product and it's a product called QuickFox. And which I found out later, what I bought is readily available on the market as a scam prevention device, as is McAfee, et cetera. And so here's where the story gets interesting. A week later, one week to the day after I paid them X amount of money for this uh, product, which could check my and prevent my system from, from having viruses, they called me back and they said, Mr. Josie, uh, this is your tech support department from Microsoft. And I, we noticed that you bought this product last week. Well, actually, over the weekend, we found viruses in it and we need to refund your money so that we can now sell you this more advanced product. So now I, my spidey sense is really tingling because I'm thinking, first of all, if Microsoft has a fix, how does it not be viable one week, seven days later to the date? And so they asked me for the account from which I had purchased this product that they had sold me so they could refund my money. Again, ladies and gentlemen, sounding very legitimate. Now, here's the kicker. I have an account I'll use online. It has 50 bucks in it. That's where I buy everything from. If I buy something $300, I put $300 in the account. It goes out and stays at 50. So I gave the guy my number and he's sounding very official, very official. And as soon as I gave him the number and he checked, he said, is this the only account that you have? <laughs> and I don't think I said, this is the only account that you're getting. And at that point, everything went sideways. And then when they called back, I said, the attorney general from the Commonwealth of Kentucky would love to talk with you to make sure that you're licensed to do business in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. At that point, I've never heard from them again. So against that backdrop, I want to introduce you to Gary Adkins. I was very close to getting scammed. Others have. It's, it's becoming more rapacious. It's becoming more aggressive, for, especially for seniors. And Gary Atkins has, has worked as the assistant Commonwealth attorney for 18 years and also has worked in the prosecution assistant unit for Kentucky Department of Financial Institutions and has, dare I say, a specialty on fraud preventions. Good morning, Gary, and welcome to Aging with Grace. How are you, sir? Good morning. Delightful to talk with you today. Well, thank you very much. And Gary, this Microsoft scam, 
and there's other prevalent scams out here. Uh, what do you tell seniors? Or how do you counsel people to deal with this constant onslaught of scams online? It's a very difficult thing because a lot of times we have uh, seniors that are not very technical savvy. So they may fall into the trap uh, that you almost fell into of clicking on a link, of uh, responding to an email, uh, responding to a a text, any number of things that uh, can get you in trouble with one of these scams because Mm -hmm. the top scams that we have in the United States is identity theft, imposter scams, and a lot of the online shopping scams. They seem, they sound so official. You know, I mean, like I really thought I was speaking with Microsoft. Can they not take action against that? Because that to me seems like that would be clear fraud, right? Yes, I, I, it is. But the problem is trying to identify who these people are, where they are at. Many times, a lot of these scams are taking place from another country. So it makes it very difficult for law enforcement to get a handle on where they're at, how to get them if they can, because funds that go to another country a lot of times may not be attachable or signable to get money back. To your point, I remember there was a scourge recently of uh, Nigerian oil wells or Nigerian diamond mines or things like that. Do you recall that? I do. I recall hearing about those sort of things, yes. And so it was always very official, right? It was like, there's a barrister in England who, uh, Mr. Adkins, has, they've discovered that you have uh, a million dollar inheritance policy. If you give us your information, we'll get right on it. You know, that yeah, was a and, clear and, and fraud. Of course, I probably have to send you some money uh, just for processing. That's exactly and once they right. get the money, they oftentimes get an account uh, where they can try to make withdrawals from. And uh, it just is never ending. A friend of mine was uh, a victim of one of the grandparent scams. They received a call from their grandson who had gotten in trouble and uh, needed some money in order to be able to get out of jail or to pay a lawyer or something. And they, they usually are not very good in identifying who they are. They want the grandparent to identify the name. Once they grab the name, then they're able to, to fly with it. But a friend of mine, a neighbor at one time, uh, ended up sending $1,000 through Western Union to folks and uh, in order to help the grandson. Then about uh, three, four days later, they got another call and needed some more money. And uh, he went to Western Union at the Kroger store locally. and. Uh, started to wire money. And uh, the folks from Western Union said, what are you doing? This may Mm. sound a little fishy and suggested that he contact the Kentucky State Police. And they did. And it was a scam. Fortunately, because Western Union was being used, they were able to do reimbursement back to him and to other people in the United States because these folks from Canada were using Western Union. So Western Union at that point was able to recover the money. Is that correct? I don't know that they were able to recover the money, but they were able to reimburse folks that got taken. That sounds so, uh, again, pernicious because you're talking about your grandson, right? I mean, what what else would you do for them? 
I did have a call like that, an email like that, uh, that said uh, a friend of mine was in jeopardy in Costa Rica. And it was very personalized to your point, uh, Gary. It was like, Dale, help me, please. I'm in this jail. I need water, you know, this money to get out. And so I contacted uh, her on, and I sent her a text that said, uh, tell me you're not in Costa Rica. She goes, no, I'm right here in my office in Akron, Ohio. I said, thank you very much. And so I wrote back to the guy, to, to whoever was, was trying to fleece me. And I said, I hope you keep her in jail. I never did like her. Matter of fact, I think she's the best place that she could be. So thank you very much. That ceased and desist right at that point, you know? That's right. <laughs> so outside of playing games with these people, uh, number one, I guess, number one rule is, is not to answer the call, right? Don't dialogue with them. Is that would you, right. is that would be, that'd be your first step, correct, Gary? Don't answer a call if you don't know who it is. You know most of the people that are calling you either know the number or if you have a cell phone or even sometimes a home phone that will flash up who it is that's calling. And don't answer the call if it's somebody that you don't know. They can always leave a voicemail and you can then call them back. There's another one that talks about extending your, your warranty, your car warranty. And it got to the point where the FCC has blocked, is uh, shutting down these robocalls about scam auto warranties because there was more than eight billion unlawful pre-recorded calls to Americans at least since 2018 per the FCC. Eight billion pre-recorded robocalls. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And so the FCC, gratefully, shutting them down and calling them unlawful and and issuing uh, injunctions against these people. I saw that uh, maybe about a week or so ago. I heard an announcement about that. It's, It's a great thing. And hopefully that will shut that down or or at least reduce it quite a bit. I don't want our listeners to be frightened. I'm only sharing this uh, fraud prevention tips from you to help people be aware and to be be more cognizant of the environment. Is there a way that they can get more information from you, Gary, or is there a source you can direct them to? Because I find speaking with you has given me a lot of comfort, especially as a a former uh, working in the uh, assistant Commonwealth Attorney's Office. Well, the uh, AARP, who I'm a volunteer with, the AARP Lexington, and we have a uh, AARP Fraud Watch Network. It's online, and you can go online with AARP, find the Fraud Watch Network, and sign up for that. And it will give you information about fraud and give you updates about fraud of things that are out there. The uh, Attorney General's office in Kentucky also has a fraud watch network, I believe. And uh, so that's another way of getting information about ongoing frauds. And uh, you can report fraud too, through these methods. You know, whether it's a charity that's contacted you or an extended auto warranty or whatever (laughs) it might be. Well, this has been excellent, and I'm going to lead the parade today uh, going to the Fraud Watch Network, uh, K- Kentucky AARP, and also to the Kentucky Attorney General's office. It's been absolutely delightful, Gary. Thank you so much for your time. And folks, before we say goodbye to Gary, he has, been uh, he is again, uh, worked as an assistant Commonwealth's attorney for 18 years, and he's also uh, worked as a prosecution in the prosecution assistant unit for Kentucky Department of Financial Institutions. Gary, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, sir. Pleasure talking with you today. 
Well, that's it for this edition of Aging with Grace 55 Plus. Be sure to also visit my website, awg55.com, to enjoy this and past episodes. Many thanks to my guests, Larry McDonald, Gary Atkins, and also to each of you for taking time to listen to this episode sponsored by AARP Kentucky, Today's Transitions, and DPL Financial Partners. DPL Financial is committed to strengthening financial plans with powerful products that deliver value for clients and advisors alike. For more information, visit dplfp.com. Remember, aging is a lifelong process, and if you choose to see new possibilities, you will find them. Aging is not a time of diminishment or being relegated to the sidelines, but is application of lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. By the way, if you have a story idea that would appeal to our age group, then visit my website, again, awg55.com, or email me, Dale, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. And now, the last thought of the day from James Clear, author of Atomic Habits. Clear writes, Good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. So, until next time, this has been your host, Dale Josie, Aging with Grace 55+. Plus.